0: Steph, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Definitely. How's your summer been? It's been really nice. It's pretty much work, home, swim. <laughs> or <laughs> oh, or eat. <eight. laughs> <laughs> no one else can see you, but I can see your nice tan. It looks yeah, really uh, good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, two interesting interviews today. One is with Sean Aiken from Patient Satisfaction. Right. And we were a little bit wondering how, if this was going to be a dry, a little bit of a dry interview, and it was
1: not even remotely. Sean's amazing. The information he had to give us was fantastic and really interesting. So we're pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah, we kind of went deep. We did
1: go (laughs) deep. deep. Who Um, thought on patient satisfaction? (laughs)
0: And (laughs) and then the
1: other one is
0: collaborative leadership model with Sue Murdoch. Murdoch. And that one kind of ties in with the patient satisfaction piece about how we really get, get things done here. We do. And we triaged in a group of leaders
1: to make sure that doctors and nurses are at least on a leadership level to be on the same page so that one knows the right hand knows what the left hand's doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it It was super fascinating. So anyway, I hope all of you enjoy it. I hope everyone is having a great summer and feeling well and not containing a lot of stress, which, because it is kind of stressful out it there. Is. It is. So enjoy, uh, enjoy this nice. Uh... And reach out if you have questions or ideas. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: I've been listening to this podcast for a while and didn't realize that it was YouTube. So I was like, oh, this is nice.
0: Like, like, <laughs> it's so much funnier. Who's <laughs> doing <Enjoying> it now? <laughs> you actually listen to our podcast. It's very nice of you.
2: Yes. I saw it. You know how I saw it is I saw it when I w- I go and get um, ferry passes because I live in Plattsburgh. So I go to security and I saw it on the corner of my eye at the bulletin board up there. And I'm like, oh my God, this is genius. And that was probably like a year ago. And I'm like, oh, I need to listen in. So once in a while, I'm like, hey, I just want to see what's going on on that side of uh, in house. So I, I do listen and I, I appreciate it. I'm like kind of nervous but excited at the same time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're drog, very so is... famous, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. fa- I, so I can understand why you're nervous. Well, Sean, it's super nice to to see you, well, kind of, I see your mm-hmm. lovely face I know, here. that's a good picture of yeah. you. Yeah.
2: Oh, thank you. Would you like a framed one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Only if it's signed. Yeah. <laughs>
2: okay, perfect. Maybe after this.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, well, uh, well, welcome. We're going to just talk about, uh, you know, the patient satisfaction. Uh, but Sean, tell us yeah. uh, what you do here.
2: So currently, I am the patient family experience partner in the patient family experience department. And I am focused within the patient experience uh, department around the satisfaction slash experience that comes through our survey mechanism. Mm-hmm. So that is primarily we use, uh, we partner with Press Ganey. A lot of people have been heard of Press Gaining. So they are a big uh, organization that partners with a lot of hospitals. I think it's about 33,000 different institutions that they partner with that they do these survey vendoring for. And what we use them for is to help us first to uh, take our information from our patients and then send out surveys on our behalf and then collect that information and give us some pretty graphs, give us some pretty pictures of the story told within uh, the patient's feedback. So primarily my role is around how do we use that information and how do we create strategies around the, the things that we're hearing in our patient's experience.
0: So uh, tell us what's been the most recent uh, patient satisfaction.
2: Yeah, so recent developments, obviously we know that COVID and the new normal of the world that we're in is very really, uh, top of mind and to our patients as well. And so one of the things that we're seeing a huge trend is the connection. So I'm hoping to talk more about connection today around patient experience and then what our patients are experiencing within our walls.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
2: biggest thing is we're seeing a huge, huge investment of trust that the patients have for us at this moment of time when in the the area of human services is being highlighted across media, different uh, communities focusing on human services, how much uh, they are to us uh, in our uh, community. So I think our patients are hearing that and want to give us their feedback. And a lot of things that are coming back is how much um, people trust us.
1: Do you think that, so part of like what maybe a pandemic positive is that it's shining a more positive light on services that people, and trust that people have here at the medical center, is that what you're saying?
2: Absolutely, and we can see that both inpatient and outpatient and Right now, I actually work 50-50, so I've been working patient experience, and then I've been working in telehealth as mm-hmm. well, right. um, working on rolling that out to the, the network. And I've been primarily at CVPH for this piece, but what I'm noticing within the outpatient world is they, uh, our patients are really trusting what we think is best. So when mm-hmm. we're offering a televideo visit, they're, they're trying any effort to download Zoom or download whatever application is, and they really wanna connect in that way. So we see a huge amount of trust in us. And so that is another component of, I would say, from the post-pandemic world that we're seeing is a positive in our perspective.
1: Right, one of the things, so it's interesting patient satisfaction from sort of a hospital point of view and then from a nursing point of view. And one of the things we're interested in talking about a little bit is, what what's the takeaway for nurses with regard to how mm-hmm. we can affect patient experience because we feel like you know our job there's some things that are really pleasant about our job as nurses yeah. and things that might not be so pleasant and might <laughs> somebody might not be like that was mm-hmm. the best straight cathing you've ever given, <laughs> like I've ever had, and I'm going to
2: report that on Five my patient stars. experience,
0: right.
1: you know, so it, so it's tricky, and I'm wondering what pieces of nurse, what we, what pieces we affect, or we can affect, as on patient satisfaction, on patient satisfaction surveys,
2: yeah, so you bring up a good point, because certainly I think about that all the time around each individual role, no matter if it's nurse, doctor, front desk staff, environmental service, you think about how you have an impact in that piece. And one of the things they circle back to is Barrel Institute. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Barrel Institute, but it's a a, a worldwide global community around enhancing the human experience in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they have is they have a definition of patient experience and that definition is the sum of all interact. So hold on, let me back up. The patient experience is the sum of all interactions shaped by an organization's culture that influences patients' perceptions across the continuum of care.
0: Mm-hmm. And what
2: that question that you mentioned is how do I how do I as a nurse have an impact on that? And it's really it's the sum of all our interactions with our patients that shape the patient experience. Mm-hmm. Not one person has a hold over that. So right. reminding ourselves that every interaction that we have creates this experience for the patient. So um, that's why I always use experience instead of satisfa- uh, satisfaction because satisfaction reminds me of just was it good or not, like yeah. what you just said with the the straight calf was it good or not? <laughs> right, um, right. Did
0: I give you any sandwiches? Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, when I talk about the experience of the straight cast, now we know it might be painful, but when I talk about the experience, it's specifically around did we talk through that process? Did we? Did we? You know, I know it's simple, but hold your hand if you needed it. Or did we let you know what we're doing? Did we talk through that process? Were we quiet? There's a little bit more robust to that piece. So going back to your original question, how do I have an impact? I believe every interaction that we have, we have opportunities to make uh, that positive experience. And there's just certain things that we could do that kind of help elevate that. And the biggest thing, what I'm noticing in the data, too, is um, one of the top five things that are really important to our patients based on what Prescani says is very important based on the data that comes back is specifically nursing listening to you. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions says, did the nurse, I, I'm going to phrase it wrong, but it's nurse listening to you is one of the questions. And you rate that uh, you rate that question. And so one of the things uh, coming back from Prescani saying that that's really important to our patients and we're doing really well in that. So it's not like we're not listening to patients. Right but how do we show that we're actively listening? So there's a lot of techniques around that. There's eye contact, getting at the same level at the patient level. There's a lot of things that we can control in that perspective. Mm -hmm. We can't control sometimes what the patient's health is going to do, positive or negative, but what we can control is how we show up and how we interact with our patients. And yes, I know we have good days and bad days and we have a lot of crazy stuff that goes on, but I always try to remind people: of just remember, how do you want to show up? Like, yep. imagine yourself in that bed. I picture the
1: experience. You know, you know those mosaic pictures where it's all little different squares, and it makes the portrait of one person. Mm-hmm. Do you sort of know what I mean? that's sort yeah. of what the experience is like? It's a mosaic of every little interaction that creates yep. this portrait of a person, yeah. right? And it it's all of those together that makes it a whole
2: for the person. Absolutely.
1: Yep.
2: Yep. Send that to marketing. Cause we need that.
1: <laughs> it's not a bad that's idea. A great right? idea. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pictures of I separately. <laughs> nursing and marketing is a separate fee.
2: Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> she actually
1: did that as,
0: another, as her first job. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true.
0: When you mm-hmm. look at those numbers, say we weren't doing a good job. Are you going back and saying, Hey, how specifically are, are we doing a good job? You know, I think when we were thinking of about it in nursing is how, do I make it better? And I guess, what are the, what would you say you come back with those scores and you're like, okay, this is what we can do to improve this?
2: Yeah. So there's a couple things. So scoring is one way, just like how, when you lose weight, weighing yourself on a scale is one way of uh, measuring how successful you are at that point. So one of the things with patient experience scores, um, that is just one way of measuring the comments that come through, the free text comments, things that we hear from patient advocacy, all that stuff blends into the story of what the patients are telling us. And one of the things that we can do since we partner with Prescani is we can compare our scores to other hospitals, specifically mm-hmm. like academic medical centers. So one of the things I typically do is I show the data and I show how do we compare to, there's a group out there called the Council of Teaching Hospitals. Um, I always compare ourselves to that. So it kind of helps us understand how well we're performing against people that are kind of like us, like other organizations like us. So that is one way of showing the data. Now, when you ask the question about what do you do if we're not performing well, uh, obviously that's where we think about, That's where we think about what do you think causes this component? For example, quietness of the hospital is a really big topic. It's really important to me. I know that I can't control it solely, but my mission is to get everyone to understand how it's really important quietness is healing. And so quietness in the hospital is where we typically are lower in scores compared to other hospitals. And what I mean by uh, what I do with that is what do you think causes that in the hospital and instantly people think of double rooms the squealing of uh, carts in the middle of the night nurses station possibly you know different people conjugating there and talking amongst themselves they everyone can come up with what do they think the problem might be but then the beauty of this is let's ask patients what do you think let's start including patient family advisors into the conversation if we want to create that as a component of focus right. so right. I help encourage those pieces but also partner um, partner with our patients and don't come up with the stories ourselves let's include our patients into the solution.
0: Our focus here at the hospital has been this is a patient of family friendly environment at all mm-hmm. times and so COVID obviously put a wrench in that experience are we are you seeing anything negative about that with our scores?
2: Yeah, so that is a really good point that you made. And I am prepared for you for asking that question. <laughs> because... you knew we
0: were going to ask that?
2: <laughs> I just knew it. And I feel like we're staging this maybe, but it, we're not staging it. But no. um, one other thing. We definitely see. So there's a component on the survey that shows patient, family, visitor policy, and it asks questions around: Did we honor? Did the staff honor your? uh, Acknowledge your visitor, or did uh, the hospital allow more visitors for you? And we are performing on. We're underperforming in that area, obviously, because of you know, COVID-19 and the restrictions on our welcome policy. But what I do notice is that in the avenues of the free text comments that come back on the surveys, patients are understanding this. Now, I just want to read a couple of them, if you don't mind. please. Yeah, yeah, one they're a little bit not really that long but it's a couple sentences so these are right from our survey so this was a discharge on 527 of 20 so really relevant the response is i would like to say that even though my family could not be with me because of covid19 i feel all whom took care of me knew that i and knew that and were very kind I wish I could remember all their names. Thank you does not seem enough, but I appreciate their kindness along with their excellent care. Mm. And another one that was said is double check yeah, right here. Night nurse was perfect example of what a great nurse should be. Very professional, yet kind. Saw things that need to be done without asking. My family wasn't present. I understand completely. But having the nursing staff there was very important to me. So it's it just goes to show that people understand and trust what we're doing. Right. And it is impacting how they're healing during this process, but it's not the only sole indicator of dissatisfaction. It's definitely one of the pieces of the puzzle.
1: Right. It's it's probably one of then one of the trickiest pieces of COVID to navigate with patients because not only can their families not be here during maybe some pretty Super tricky, serious, serious conversations and diagnoses, and we are having to navigate technology, yeah. but then nurses are also now nurse and caregiver wife mother daughter sister yeah brother yeah husband you know it's it like put a lot of responsibility it's a, it's a t- it's really been tricky for nurses to navigate too so it's good to know that there's mm-hmm. some understanding around that
2: and that's not across the board too you know that's not what all our patients are saying there's patients uh there's hospitals out in the network uh, not the network uh in the united states basically that press Gainey has come back to us and i asked them that question saying is this a trend that we're seeing across across the board and it depends on how the organization is handling this visitor policy first and then it's what we're doing as units to kind of circle around that
3: nuance
2: Mm -hmm. of not having someone at the bedside now that normally we would six months ago but now they are digitally and how we're handling those situations is how patients are feeling about their experience and
0: they're communicating
2: that out through their scores so i feel like all those little pieces it might be nuances and you feel like you're not doing the right job you know, if we're connecting patients through Zoom or whatever way, phone, whatever it is, those are little things that people are very valuing and they understand that it is difficult during this time. Mm
0: -hmm. Are you seeing a difference, any differences between the ambulatory and the inpatient patient satisfactions?
2: Yeah. So with outpatient services, we did a couple different things. So one, We implemented a telemedicine survey specifically around the ability to deliver telemedicine uh, video visits or audio visits to our patient in the outpatient setting. That was early on. Some of the feedback that we've gotten back, again, they trust what we're offering. Not specifically around nursing because on the questions, um, depends on what uh, department you're in. Nursing, it might not be involved or they might be involved depending on how they are seeing the patients through the office but what we are seeing is that seeing high scores within access, so access is increased in the sense of, in the patient's perspective, feeling like they have access to us, and also they are seeing that it's easier to get an appointment. Now, it doesn't mean that it is easy to get an appointment, but the feeling of getting an appointment is a lot easier, and that might be because of less travel time, less uh, going mm-hmm. from the office to you know somewhere else and getting a test done and then going back to the office. They don't have to do that. They really could just do it at the comfort of the car if needed. We are seeing an increase um, in our satisfaction and scores, specifically in pretty much all domains. And that access is the one that's significantly higher because they're feeling like we are connecting a little bit differently, but Mm -hmm. we're connecting and it's easier to access it.
0: Well, yeah, I know I work in the um for infusion. And so that talk of telemedicine, like we'll have patients who are getting their infusions and have the visit with them. And they, the okay. feedback that I've heard is that they, uh, it's been very positive and they're like, this seems, this makes so much sense because now I don't have to, you know, I think exposure to COVID was very, a real fear, a real fear. And yeah. so, um, yeah. but they still have access to their physicians and being able to talk to them. And there's a lot of them, that, you know, I don't feel like I needed to see somebody face up, but I needed to, like, just touch base with what was going on. And so, mm-hmm. they, you know, the, that right. has been a real, overall, I've heard very much positive things about it. Yep, so have I. It's That's great.
2: great. One of the things that you just reminded me of, uh, I was just thinking about what our patients are saying, too. A lot of the increase in scores, too, in the um, staff concern for comfort and caring,
1: mm-hmm. working
2: together to care for you, those components of those two questions are at a high, like the top that we've ever been within those areas. And what I'm noticing is patients are realizing how many, how much teamwork is needed to care for a patient within a hospital this size. Right. So yeah. they're, getting, they're getting a phone call from registration. They might be getting a call from the Zoom support to get them set up. And then they're getting a call from the nursing or clinical folks to make sure they're vit- like going through their vitals if they can over the phone, and then they get the provider. So they're realizing the little pieces of, because I feel like the way that we're delivering care is now through a phone or a mechanism, a computer, and they're seeing it a little bit differently. So they realize that it's complex. Um, it's
1: amazing what absolutely. changing the angle on the same process will do, right? You get just different- <laughs> I know. You get a completely different you know view on stuff, and it's like, oh, wait, this is a
0: lot of work. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it's like a new pair of glasses it's like oh wow
0: oh, yeah <laughs> how match up to other hospitals in terms of our return rate for patient satisfactions
2: that's a great question too so response rate is probably what you're talking about yes. right yeah the response rate yeah so i don't have the facts for the last month because usually they come in at the end of the following month typically our response rate now depending on each service
1: and when, when you say I'm, response rate back. you mean the number of surveys you get back
2: yes okay compared to how many we send out so okay. there's a rate sent x amount how many of those come back to us if you can imagine we send surveys out in different buckets inpatient is one big bucket that we send out surveys based on their inpatient stay. then we have surveys that we send out through the ed ambulatory surgery yep. and then medical practice our outpatient services so each individual is graded basically on a response rate. So in inpatient specifically, our average is around 31, 32 percent response rate, and how that compares um, to the national average, it's around 27, and it doesn't really change that much. And I know that I know that sounds like I'm just throwing out numbers, but really it stays around that same. Um, when I look at across the board of a response rate in each individual area, it's pretty much, we're probably about two to 3% higher than the national average. And I like to say it's because Vermonters and upstate New Yorkers love to give their opinions to our healthcare. And they do that through the response of the survey. Yeah. And I feel like that all, it also speaks to our community base of our hospital in a sense too, I think, because I feel like people feel connected to the medical center and they feel like they have a a feedback that is valuable. I think that's a a really good point that you mentioned about our response rate. So people think it's pretty low, but I wanna throw some numbers out if you don't mind. I did a search really quick to say, how many surveys did we get in the past year? So from April one of 2019 to March of 2020, so right around COVID starting, we had uh, 32,231 voices recorded through survey, throughout all our surveys. So 32,000, 5,222 were specifically in the inpatient. And majority of them, 21,000 was in our medical practices or so our outpatient offices. So you can just see the amount of information that is mm-hmm. at our fingertips yeah, when we use of- gaining and look at the data.
1: I'll ask You're a just quick so question, which, on the <laughs> just a quick one. <laughs> is there a reason why it's still a mailer and we don't direct people to an online survey?
2: That's a good point too. So we do email surveys in certain in a certain areas. So with our inpatient, we actually can't email our survey because of CMS requirements. So CMS is mandates that we do the what you might hear as HCAP,
1: yep. the yeah. hospital
2: comparison assessment on hospital systems, physicians and stuff. So basically CMS says you have to do the survey and CMS is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, in case you didn't know that. But they say we have to mail it out because it's the one way that they have always done it. And it's it's also guaranteeing that it's going to an address and verifying it through that piece. Instead of an email, they're still working through that piece there. You can make bogus emails and, you know, you can come up with your own scores. Okay. Um, And that's important, too, because you know, um, we are held to a standard with our scores with CMS and our reimbursement rates are um, affected by that as Mm -hmm. well. So we get reimbursed based on how we improve in the scores. That's also one of the things. Now in the outpatient world, we are moving, we moved all our mail surveys to email surveys. And our response rate again is about, it's about 18, 19% in the medical group. And it's still a point or two higher than the national average. So we still see that significant two point or 2% or two uh, rise in a response rate. Can't really figure out is mail better or email, but in the medical practice world, it is working for us. We had 21,000 voices this last year, just all through email surveys. So that's pretty good. That is
0: really good. And so just one last thing, what does this mean in terms of, you know, I think... Uh, we all talk about it, and obviously it's something that we love to hear that we're doing well on, but what is the bottom line for patient satisfaction?
2: <laughs> I think the biggest thing, I think, a lot of people, I show off these scores in the last couple months because we're seeing a rise in our scores in the sense of communication with nurses or responsiveness of hospital staff. And what I think is the story behind it, what it means is I don't know what we're doing but we're doing something right, and we're also doing something that's connecting our patients to us and a little bit different. Now, is that because we all understand that we're going through something together? Mm -hmm. But it brings me back to what I was first talking about is connection. We are all connected, no matter what. We're all connected to each other. And when we talk about patients to caregivers, we are solely connected because they're relying on us to take care of them while they're staying with us but there is something that's been going on the past couple months that has shown a huge um, need for that connection i think we can all agree how much we all want to be connected to people Mm -hmm. look at us we're doing this through video and over the phone i wish i could be right there with you and see your faces and talk to you guys more about this in Mm -hmm. person and that connection is so important. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I just want to promote the idea of a, just remembering that piece during the, you know, after, po, after these next couple months, when we learn the new normal, what that looks like, remember that connection is so powerful. And that empathy is so, so powerful. And that's really what our patients want. They don't really want, you know, fancy meals, fancy this. It's like, they just want to be cared for, and they want to feel safe. And one of the ways that they feel safe is that they know that they are trusting us.
0: I know when I'm working on Chep4Infusion, we've had patients come in and um, I, they've said, I haven't, I, this is the first time I've been out of my house in three months. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. the first person that I am seeing face-to-face that wasn't yeah. my spouse. or And so I think feeling that, right, what you were saying about feeling comfortable, comfort and then also that connection with with a human face has probably made is is super important that's a really good point Steph it's mm -hmm. true yeah and so and I think there's been probably a lot of people that have faced that and so when they are coming in there's there's thinking I'm trusting you and also then getting that connection again
2: and how important is that to know like I don't know if I was there right now with a front desk person I would love to be that front desk person right now just because I want to be the first person they see or I want to be that (laughs) (laughs) because how powerful you can change the mode of comfort and the environment with just a smile I know it's cheesy but with a smile or saying hello or good morning good afternoon how awesome would it feel to go through that experience knowing we're here for you and right. having that, um, as your first interaction, that is powerful stuff. Yeah. I know we took a pause during the last couple months, but that pause might've been needed so we can look at what's really important in our lives. What's really important to when we connect with people and how do we portray that outward?
1: I agree. Yeah. I yeah. love that, Sean. It's yeah. true. I think yeah. that pause has had a lot of, in my life anyway, impact for just sort of assessing how, what what my interactions mean, how they're accepted and reacted to, and so wow, wow, oh. we got deep, Sean. Like... we did, I we know got deep with patient satisfaction that was our that
0: was our hope.
2: I feel like I need a couch to lay on. And just be like,
0: ah. uh, well, it's been lovely to talk to you. Totally.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. And it's all of us that are part of that patient experience. So it is not one person. I just bring light, shine a light on the thing. So yeah. I appreciate any moment we can give patient experience, patient and family experience. And thank you so much for letting me chat with you today.
1: Yeah, well, we'll yeah. have you back one of these days and we can, we can sort of
0: recap the year or something. Yeah, that would be great.
2: Perfect. I would love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all Sean. All right. Thanks, Sean, so much.
2: Thank you. Have a good day.
0: You Bye. too. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Steph. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Good. So um, today we have the lovely Sue Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Murdoch. She is going to be talking to us about um, collaborative collaborative leadership models. That's a mouthful.
1: (laughs) Right. And let me see if I can get this right. You're the nursing director for systems, outcomes, practice, and leadership. Is that the right order? Outcomes practice systems. Leadership isn't in there, but it is oh, the job, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. yeah. And there's leadership, right? Yes. Okay. yeah. All right. And, yeah, so we're going to talk about the collaborative nursing model and what that is. Yeah. What is it? Okay. <clears throat> what do I do? Yeah, yeah, what, do yeah do? what do you do? Um, <laughs> so
3: I, I, the way I always tell people is I do everything that's not operations or education. Okay. So I was the director of education for 10 years and then moved into this role. And so within this role, I'm the liaison for nursing for quality, safety, Regulatory work, like the Joint Commission. Mm -hmm. I oversee the Magnet Program. Travis works with me. So, okay. Um, Yeah. Um, Evidence-based practice and research are mine. Clinical value analysis is mine. And I'm the liaison to the pharmacy and lab. And I'm probably forgetting something really important. So kind well, of a I'm minor,
1: a minor position. Just, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to do, and
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm going to put a plug in for the FELIS scholarships because oh, yeah, nice. that is something that I know you from, and um, I think it is a great opportunity for nurses. Yeah, right? and
3: actually, we're in the the applications are out there. So if you're interested in FELIS, we would love to have you. Awesome, right? So in terms of the
0: collaborative leadership model, what is that exactly?
3: So it's interesting. It's it's not something that's well-known, and it's something that our senior leaders, um, we call them our sponsor team, Isabel Desjardins, uh, Jennifer Houlihan when she was here as the VP for Quality, and Kate started. Mm-hmm. And they started really modeling the behavior, which is the three of them began to approach their work as a team as opposed to Isabel over here and Kate over here and Jennifer over here. They worked together so that when change happened or when they had to address something, they did it all you know, in one voice. That's and That's amazing. Yeah. Kinda of said, well, where else could we do this? And so if you look at unit level management, obviously the unit manager has twenty four hour accountability for their unit and what goes on in their unit.
0: Absolutely. But
3: it's a it's a collaborative practice at that level. Sure. And so the idea of having a team of a nurse leader, a physician provider, a quality consultant working to improve the quality of care, to improve the work environment, to think strategically about where that unit could go, what kinds of things it could do. That's kind of what collaborative leadership is about.
1: Okay. And it makes sense because it's there's nothing about what we do that is one-dimensional. Absolutely. And that gives us a multi-dimensional and multifactorial view on how on, on the situation
3: mm-hmm. or yeah. allows for. You know how we always like, well, we're doing it, but do the doctors know? Right. Well, right. This is the way of saying, yeah, actually, there is a way the doctors are going to know, because Dr. X, who's assigned to this unit is accountable for that communication piece or for making sure that when, and the best example I can give you is pressure injuries. When we're all focused on pressure injuries, that the house staff get the message that, they need to be focused on pressure injuries. And so when we're we're pushing, you know, we really need you to turn this patient over with us and look, we want you to see what's going on there, they're getting in their head, oh, yeah, this is something that's really important and people are looking at. And granted, you would think we could just say those things, right. but sometimes you need a bigger picture, right. and that, other provi- that physician provider does that. The other thing is the quality piece, which is something... Other areas have always had quality, but nursing has never really had quality pulled in this closely. Every unit has their own quality consultant. And a quality consultant, a lot of them are nurses, but not all of them are, has training in methodologies that help with identifying and solving problems is the best way to think about it. So they're the way we know how to do a procedure like inserting a Foley catheter, they know how to do the procedure to identify a problem Figure out an answer, implement it, and evaluate whether it works. So you just said that each unit has a quality consultant. Oh, that's yeah.
1: interesting. So I don't think we knew that. So there's to each unit in the hospital, there's somebody that to each CLM team.
3: Gotcha. So okay. they didn't used to have them. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and so the CLM process—that's one of the. I think the biggest wins for us is that access to that person. Sure. Mm-hmm. So when they're sitting around saying, "I wonder what our what we it looks like how we're doing on problem X. The quality consultant can say, well, let me help you get that data. Sure. And let's figure out what other data might be relevant and let's bring that forward and all start looking at it. They might contact patient safety to get a specific report of fall data that's relevant to that unit. Sure. Or get an EPIC report built that looks at something that's relevant to that unit's performance. And then the CLM team has that data, not only to, sh- to make decisions or look for resources or address problems, but to share with staff as a performance metric. Look how well we're doing right yep.
0: here. And so it's the nursing manager, the physician, mm-hmm. kind of assigned to that mm-hmm. um, group, and then the quality. And how often are they meeting?
3: The, it depends. Every unit is a little different. Some are meeting weekly, some meet every other week. And then oh, yeah. their directors will join them. The nursing directors join them okay. like once a month just to kind of figure out what's going on. And then we have what we call the sponsorship team, which is now Isabel Pegg and Patrick Bender, who's the new VP for yeah. interim VP for quality. And then we have what we call the director team. And that's me, Jason Miner, who's the director who leads quality, and Gil Allen, who's the associate CMO for quality for the medical group. And then uh, we have Wes McMillan. Okay. who's the director for pharmacy. So we oh, bring, sure. okay. you know, because on some units, that would be a great partner to have your pharmacy. Like I think oncology, oncology. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or infusion. Right. Like all of it, yeah. Um, I think, though, you know, we have to think more broadly about that kind of work. And we've done that in uh, our, our, we call them our quadrangle <laughs> team. <laughs> and we meet every other week or so. And our job is to guide and support the um, CLM teams at the unit level and tie things together. So if we're on Unit X and we hear about this great project they're doing, as we're going to the other units, we can say, hey, go talk to Unit X. They figured that out.
1: Gotcha. It's really comforting as a bedside nurse to know that there's all this support that's happening above us and you guys are on those details. Sort of get elucidated on it because that's, that's helpful.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. who knew? And, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> And it's, it's pretty new and we're still, you know, we kind of are crossing the bridge, uh, building the bridge as we cross it. And so we're kind of figuring out what's the best way to do this. Um, We're looking at bringing some groups together more actively in the future where there might be, you know, an opportunity to learn, you know, once a quarter or twice a year to have the groups come together and Mm -hmm. say, here's what we're working on.
0: Yeah. And do you find that other hospitals are doing this or is this something unique to UVM? It's not unique to UVM,
3: but it's not well it's not something you can go into the literature and find a lot written about. Okay. So it we are on the kind of the cusp of that kind of, kind of work. Yeah. Oh that's um, really which exciting. is nice for us because we're usually doing things ten years after everybody else. <laughs> right. So it's kind of nice that we're you know, this is one of those ones where we're way out in front.
1: Yeah. That's and great. does it also so it, it does
3: it also incorporate outpatient at all or is this mostly an inpatient right now it's inpatient. Yep. And I think that that's a great piece of that, and the place we may get that tie-in is the provider. Yeah. So if the provider is seeing patients in clinic as well as the CLM leader, he, he or she may see that opportunity to join things together. Sure. And it all, in my mind, it all ties back into NPG. So when great. I think about CLM, I think about that opportunity to work closely with unit-based councils. Yeah. And it should be kind of a a back and forth of the CLM team is reviewing data. That's part of their work is to review data relevant to the unit. And so rather than wait for a bad thing to happen, they're looking at the data to look for trends to be able to go to the unit-based council and say, hey, look at this data could you guys take a look at this for, and, and come back and think what we could do differently? Sure. Or do we need to do anything
0: differently? Sure. Right. And also I think sometimes it's the bedside nurses that are fi- are looking at mm-hmm. seeing problems, and they now have that resource say, hey, we're seeing this. Are you seeing it in the data? Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah, right. Or, right. you know, we're running into this barrier. Now I have a team that I can go to yeah. and say, you know, team, can you help us? So I see their, the, the unit-based councils and CLM working in a connected way, task forces working in yeah, a connected way, Absolutely. so a CLM team may convene a task force, a task force may turn to the CLM team for support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it all kind of goes up then through the service lines. So now you have service line councils from these unit-based councils. Right. Um, and they that means there's three or four CLM teams that could be brought to bear mm-hmm. on to help solve a problem. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it actually works well together.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but, you know, we're like, like I said, we're figuring it out one step at a time.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I think it's all about, you know, providing the best patient care that we have and having mm-hmm. all of the resources available to us. So mm-hmm.
1: I agree. And I always think that like the, one of the biggest challenges I think is just is because there's so many different. I I would say silos in in Mm -hmm. medicine and Mm -hmm. nursing, and trying to get just sort of across the board communication so that everybody's hearing the same message is always tricky. And I think that this is one way to sort of really kind of bring leadership and nursing, and maybe bedside nursing together
3: to try to to keep the communication as consistent and and concise as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think for providers, you know, we always feel from our nursing seat that they don't know what we do.
0: Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And that actually
3: shows in our NDA and QI data. Yep. You know, the NDA and QI <laughs> data says that w- nurses don't think providers know what they do um, or don't understand what they right. do. Right. Right. And I think this helps a provider leader really get steeped in the processes of what it takes to run an inpatient unit. Because yep. remember, they're not they're not the administrative part of no, what it's happens. It's nursing run. Right? right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so we want them to appreciate and understand How, what it takes to run a unit, and this will help get them. Units that have always had a medical director probably have some of that relationship, but not all units have a medical director, right? So now they do, they have that physician who can be at the table with them and really understand and go, Oh, like, oh, (laughs) we can't put any more bodies in here
1: if we don't have nurses
3: to take care of,
1: right? Exactly. Well, that's amazing.
0: So yeah. awesome. Well thank you so much, Sue, for coming and talking You're to us. Welcome. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks
3: for inviting me. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
3: One, two, three.